Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. In Christ. You know, we all have an identity. In other words, we think of ourselves in certain ways. You know, and, and some people kind of promote that identity. What am I talking about? Well, you will meet, I, I've met people before that are like Red Wings fans. And they often wear Red Wings cap, wear Red Wings clothing. They got a big Red Wings decal on their car. Their living room is an ice rink. You know, I don't know how they pull it off. But, you know, they got all kind of Red Wing paraphernalia in their house. And when you see them... You, you think of Red Wings because their identity is with the Red Wings. We really all have our own identities. In this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is promoting the idea with these first century Christians that they identify with Christ. Now, remember the premise for this letter. The preacher from the church there at Colossae has gone to meet with Paul because there's problems. There are some people preaching false things in the church that's dividing the church. People are beginning to debate. People are beginning to argue out in the parking lot, out in the foyer. Because when some personalities are promoting things that really aren't true, and to shore them up in their faith, Paul writes a letter back to them. And at this part of the letter, he is promoting with them the idea of their identity in Christ. It's not something that he wants them to think is unimportant and you just kind of wear it on your sleeve. He is promoting the idea that as Christians, that is who they are. That is at the core of who they are, their newfound faith, their newfound Christianity. That they are to, their identity is to be in Christ. That doesn't mean you can't be a fan of this sports team or the other. But when it comes down to who you really are and who you want people to know you to be, the emphasis is on your identity in Christ. Now, that applied to them 2,000 years ago. It equally applies to us today. Because there are false prophets out there today. And probably we have more access to them than ever before with radio and television, internet and what have you. I mean, you can just turn on your radio station up here and have different Christian radio stations. Some of which are better than others. Some of which, I don't ever listen to them. Probably some of them may be really bad. I, I, don't, I really don't know. But I know those options are out there. So what Paul is saying to these Colossians tonight as we read it, equally applies to you and me. This church, this letter could have been written to the church at Mayo in 2017. Again, he is wanting them to identify with Christ. He's wanting to, 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 to build their foundation. He doesn't want them moved. And he is going to describe several ways in which he wants them to think of themselves in identifying with Christ and be glued to him. To be bonded to him. Let's look at it. Colossians chapter 2. 
We're reading verses 11 through 15. In verse 11, this is what he tells them. Now, listen, he's wanting them to think a certain way. He's wanting them to understand some very important truths. Talking about Christ, he says, In whom also ye are circumcised, with the circumcision, though, made without hands. He's not talking about a physical circumcision, but he's saying, I want you to understand, you too are circumcised, because he's talking basically here to Gentiles who haven't been under the law, who haven't experienced circumcision. But he's wanting them to identify with Christ. He wants them to identify with Christ who has fulfilled the law, with circumcision being a part of that. So he says, in whom also ye are circumcised, with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. He wants them to identify with circumcision, the circumcision of Christ. And then he identifies a second thing here. Not only that, but he wants them to understand that you're buried with him in baptism. Wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Again, realize there are people in the church, smooth talkers, that are trying to get people away from Christ. And Paul is saying, wait, you're, you're circumcised in Christ. Do you understand that? You're, you're baptized in Christ. And then he goes further in verse number 13. And he reminds them, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him. Again, he's linking them to Christ. He wants them to be bonded to Christ with him. He doesn't want them to stray. He doesn't want them to be led astray. Having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, talking about the law, nailing it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. So Paul is very much trying to get them to realize who they are now. He wants their identity to be in Christ. Is that your identity? Is that what you understand? Is that what you nourish? Is that what you promote? Is that what you want people to know about you? I, I wear an LSU cap. I wear LSU stuff, I suppose, because I want people to know that I, I'm an LSU fan. You know, I'm conscious of that. And I'll wear it more during football season. You know, I, maybe at 65 years of age, that might be a little dumb, but nonetheless, I... You know, I'm from the South, so I'm exempt, so, you know, so I, can, I can do that. But, I, you know, it's a conscious identification. Do you have a conscious identification with Christ? A desire to be identified with him when you're around unsaved family or backslidden family or maybe immature family? Do you have that identification at, at work or in your community or, or with your neighbors? I mean, by being in church tonight, you're identifying with Christ. And I commend you for that. Your neighbors, your family, they, they know where you are tonight. They know you're in church. And that, that's sending a message. And Paul is saying here that's important. So, but, but why is Paul telling them this? Well, let, let's go back to the beginning of this chapter, verse number 1. A little background. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, 
and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. He's writing to a church that he's never visited before. But he is saying there that he has a concern for them. He says that I have great con- the, the great conflict I have for you. He, he, he's, he's troubled. He, he wants them to get it right, even though he hasn't met them. He, he knows still they're brothers and sisters in Christ. So he's acknowledging, before he says what we just read, that I have a conflict for you. Paul expresses his concern for the Colossians, even though he's never met them. And then in verse number 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, and to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In verse number 2 there he says that their hearts might be comforted. He knows what it means for them to be Christians, but it's new to them and they're struggling with it. And he says being knit together in love. You know, somebody come into a church or any congregation and start spouting false doctrine, that's going to be divisive. That's going to be destructive. And Paul wants them to be unified. Paul wants there to be unity and and, and love and and care and concern and compassion for one another. I don't know of anything that gives a a pastor greater grief than the idea that there might be some little problem going on in the church and people gossiping and people talking and people meeting and people getting on the phone. I don't think there's anything more troubling to any path. There's been many times when Brother Rich first got there to, to Banning, he would call me, I mean, discouraged and, and burdened and bothered about, you know, this one person is saying this and somebody else is saying that. And it wasn't good, you know, and thankfully, like the Lord has done here, he, he's matured those people. And I, I think it's a good situation here. But just as painful as that is for a pastor, it, it is equally rewarding to know that, that people are knit together, as Paul says it here, in love. So false teaching was creating conflict in the church, and he wanted them united. And what could unite them more than anything is a correct understanding of Christ and an appreciation for their faith in Christ. And then he says this, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Now, there he's identifying the problem that he's addressing. Because there were people beguiling or or, or tricking them with enticing words. You know, there are people that just, boy, they're smooth. And they're likable. And they're personable. And they come on as so cool and, and then so convincing. And Paul's identifying that there. They can beguile you with enticing words. And then in verse number 5, he says, For though I be absent in the flesh, in other words, he's not there with them, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. That's what he's promoting. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. He is encouraging them to stay the course, to resist temptation. He's wanting them to stay the course by reminding them of their identity in Christ. Our identity, how we see ourselves is important. Let me give you a couple quotes. This is from a secular source. But yet the secular source makes the case for what Paul is making. This secular source says, We all have a center, a place that grounds us. 
when we lose sight of that center, we can find ourselves adrift. That's what Paul was worried about. He wanted their center to be Christ. And this secular source says when you lose your center, then you're adrift. When you lose who you are, what your purpose is, why you're here, what's important. Which oftentimes can only serve to magnify our general sense of uncertainty and by association, fear and anxiety. This article goes on to say, returning to our personal source, whether that source is physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, or social. Of course, Paul is is emphasizing the spiritual. He said it's key to maintaining our sense of groundedness in the face of that uncertainty. The challenge is often not in recognizing the source, but in recognizing that we have lost it, or worse yet, consciously or unconsciously giving it up. Now, that's, that is stated 2,000 years after Paul wrote this, but they're basically confirming what Paul was concerned about then. He wanted their identity to be in Christ. He wanted them to be grounded. He wanted that to be the bedrock. He wanted that to be the anchor. But the church at Colossae was threatened by false teaching. And the apostle Paul knew that one of the ways to counter the false teaching and get those false teachers out of there and bring that congregation back together in love was by their understanding their identity in Christ. Their identity, as Paul points out here, was not in the Old Testament law. He's not emphasizing the Old Testament law except that it's been fulfilled. Their identity wasn't in their nationality, whatever country they had come from. They may take pride in that. But that wasn't their identity. Their identity wasn't to be in their personal accomplishments, talents, or giftedness. Their identity was in Christ. He wanted their their faith, their Christianity, to be the core of who they were and what they were all about that motivated them, that guided them, that comforted them, that um, uh, helped them to make them who, who who they were. And this is relevant today. Because the attacks today are so more, so much more subtle. Our faith can be attacked from just watching situation comedies. Our faith can be attacked by simply listening to the wrong music on, on the radio. Our faith can be undermined by going to the wrong websites, Googling the wrong thing. All the more reason for us today with so many more attacks and them being so much more subtle. All the more reason for us to work hard to realize our identity in Christ. Let me go through this very quickly. These four points. I'm just going to highlight them quickly. Again, going back through what we just read. So, Paul gives the Colossians their fourfold identification in Christ. And folks, it applies equally to you and I today. Take these four points personally. This is what's going to keep you and I grounded. It's going to keep us unified in faith and in doctrine. Number one, we can identify with Christ through spiritual circumcision. Again, we just went over that. He tells them, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. He's not talking about a physical, he's talking about spiritual. And putting off the body of their sins by the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. And just as he told them to be conscious and aware of that, the Lord preserved that in his word today so that I'm preaching the same from the same letter that was written 2,000 years ago, but it applies equally today. 
One writer said, circumcision was a sign of God's covenant with the Jewish people. Though it was a physical operation, it had spiritual significance. The trouble was that Jewish people depended on their physical and not the spiritual. A mere physical operation could never convey spiritual grace. Most of the Colossian Christians were Gentiles who had never been physically circumcised. Paul assures them that they were indeed circumcised in a spiritual sense, which is even more important than the physical circumcision. So circumcision back under the law, that was a big deal. And they knew it was a big deal. But Paul is trying to identify them with Christ, though, which is now different in that he fulfilled the law, but the circumcision that that was important then in a physical sense is now important in a spiritual sense because those of us Christians today identify with Christ not through a physical circumcision but through a spiritual circumcision. So, number one, we can identify with Christ through spiritual circumcision. Number two, we can identify with Christ because of baptism. That's what he told them. Buried with him in baptism. He's telling them, you have been buried with him in baptism. Identify with him. You're not wearing a Jesus Christ t-shirt or ball cap, but better than that, you've been buried with him in baptism wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. One writer says, here Paul used the illustration of baptism. Keep in mind that in the New Testament, the word baptize has both a literal and figurative meaning. The literal meaning to dip or to immerse. The figurative meaning to be identified with. And again, Paul is saying, listen, your identification with Christ is more than your nationality. It's, it's more important than your nationality. It's more important than your personal gifts. It's more important than anything. Identify with Christ through your spiritual circumcision, through your baptism. And then number three, we can identify with Christ because we are free from the law in him. We're free from the law in him. In verse number 14, that same passage, now he says this. He's making his arguments, kind of like a lawyer. He's laying them out one point at a time. You know, identify with Christ. Why now the third time? Understand, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now, this is something the Jewish converts could fully understand because for centuries they had lived under the law. And now Christ has come to fulfill the law. They've done away with the law. You don't have to live under the law anymore. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. You know, the law was simply to reveal that all are sinners and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. One writer said, Jesus not only took our sins to the cross, but he also took the law to the cross and nailed it there forever out of the way. The law was certainly against us because it was impossible for us to meet its holy demands. So he's saying, listen, identify with Christ because the law that Christ did away with, the law that he fulfilled, the law that you once lived under, now through his fulfillment of that law, you are now free from that law. Identify with him in that respect. So number four, the fourth thing he mentions to them, we can identify with Christ because we are victorious in him. 
Colossians 2.15. And, in other words, continuing his arguments, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Again, quoting, Jesus not only dealt with sin and the law on the cross, but he also dealt with Satan. Speaking about his crucifixion, Jesus said, Now is the judgment of the world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. So the death of the cross looked like a great victory for Satan. But it turned out to be a great defeat for Satan and a great victory for us. What Jesus did on the cross, he did for us. We are to identify with Christ on the cross. I like this quote, and we'll close with this. The practical application of this passage is clear. Since we are identified with Christ, he is the fullness of God. What more do we need? The people were living in difficult times. There were all sorts of false doctrine coming in that was going to divide the people and pull them away from a a true faith, a, a pure faith in Christ. One of Paul's arguments to them is to get them to identify with Christ through circumcision, through baptism, through, through the fulfillment uh, of the law, through, through the victory that he has had, that we, we can identify with him. So let's close by simply asking a question tonight. What do you identify with in your life? Or better yet, maybe a better way to put it is, what do others identify you with? Hey, there's nothing wrong with being a Michigan fan, even a Michigan State fan. I guess there's nothing wrong with (laughs) division in the church. Preachers spreading false doctrine that Michigan State is okay. False doctrine. There's nothing wrong with, you know, there are people in this room that are NASCAR fans and you talk to them and about NASCAR, and, you know, you can talk to me about uh, football, you know. But the identity that we ought to be most conscious of and aware of that we want to put out there is our identity in Christ. You know, that in itself will protect us from so many things. The fact that we recognize that we are in Christ, we are identified with him, our, identi- our identity among others is to be of him and for him. Are we conscious of that? When we go to the workplace, when we go to school, when we're around family. And I'm not talking about an in-your-face, holier-than-thou spirit. But I'm just talking about a real, genuine, sincere, humble, gracious, loving, compassionate identity in Christ. Paul thought it very worthwhile with these people being tempted to pull away, to leave the church, to follow false doctrine. He thought it very worthwhile to remind them of the law. And he he wrote it in such a way to identify them with it, with circumcision, with baptism, with victory in Christ. And if it was important then, it's, it's equally important now. Let us be not ashamed of our identity in Christ. 
Let it motivate us. Let it encourage us. Let it go before us as a positive testimony to, to others that we come into contact with every day. And may it sustain us. May, may this identity in Christ remind us tonight of who we are and how blessed we are. Amen? Let's pray. Let's stand, please.